Doing God's will God's way. That's next on Abounding Grace. There's much desire of those listening in right now. You're on the radio and you have a desire to do the will of God. But are you willing to do the will of God God's way? Because when you try, and I try not to do the will of God my way, I can expect frustration. I can expect anger. I can expect a whole range of emotions. And in this case, those around me, I put at great danger. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Great to be with you. Welcome again to Abounding Grace. We'll hand things back over to Pastor Ed Taylor in a moment as he picks up where we left off in 2 Samuel. One of the big lessons in front of us today is if we want to experience God's blessing, we must do God's work His way and not our own way. In chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant is about to be transported to Jerusalem. On the surface, that may seem like a good idea, but they didn't go about it the right way, and David failed to seek the Lord. Here is Pastor Ed with more. 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6 has David as the anointed king over a united kingdom. It's unified. The will of the Lord is being accomplished after years and years of waiting, after years and years of warfare, running around in the wilderness, having King Saul want to kill him and destroy him, finally it happens. And we're reminded, aren't we, each and every time we see the will of God accomplished that we're to hold on to the promises of God. And we're to hold on to the promises of God until he fulfills them that it's always too soon to quit and to give up on the Lord, but to hold on to the word that he gave us. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him are amen, so be it. Let it be done to the glory of God through us. Now to he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God and has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. All the promises of God in him are yes. And now we see David stepping up and beginning to set up the spiritual worship of the nation in Jerusalem. And that's where we pick up in verse one in chapter six of 2 Samuel. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart, verse 4. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music 
before the Lord on all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Now, David wants the people to experience what he has personally experienced, the glory of the Lord. He wants to pass on this exciting time in his life. And it is an exciting time. He's no longer on the run anymore. He's no longer in the wilderness. He's, no, he's established. The promise of God has come to pass. And he wants the people to share in the glory, the literal weight of God, the substance of God's presence, his manifestation. The glory of God was directly related to this Ark of the Covenant. Because on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the lid where the mercy seat was, where God chose to dwell with his people. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2, it says this. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I'll appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. It was a very special place of the manifestation of God. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant, or also known as the Ark of Testimony, was a portable box or a portable chest. It was about 45 inches by 27 inches by 27 inches. It was made of acacia wood, and it was overlaid with gold, and it was the most sacred possession of the nation during their wilderness wanderings. It was the only article, as we saw in Leviticus, the only article of furniture in the innermost room or the Holy of Holies of both Moses' tabernacle and later Solomon's temple. It was a very special place, very special. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, but only with the sacrificial blood that he sprinkled on the mercy seat for the atonement of sin. Now, it's important to know that it had four gold rings that it was to be, according to Exodus chapter 37, carried through with poles through those rings. There was a very prescribed way to move the ark. And of course, you Bible students know inside of the ark where Aaron's rod, a jar of manna, and the tablets of law. So David gathers these choice men around. They come to this area to get the ark, it's been about 75 years since the ark was in a place of worship for the people of God. It's a long time. And they set, notice in verse 3, the ark of God on a new cart. And they brought it out of the house singing and excited, dancing, this new opportunity to worship God. It's a very exciting time. It's a very wonderful time. Now, if we were watching this from afar we would be encouraged, I think, with them to see a group of people encouraged in the things of the Lord. We see them. The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're happy with them. It's a very exciting time. David is taking the lead politically. God is fulfilling his promises spiritually. Great days have arrived, and the will of God is happening. Who can't be happy at that? Who can't be satisfied with what God is doing and seeing the excitement of the people? No doubt we would Join in. However, compare with me back in chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 5, verse 19. Because not all is what it appears. And haven't you found that to be true? The, what does the Bible say? The Bible says this. Man looks at the outward, but God knows the heart. 
And there's a danger for us not knowing the heart of the matter, not knowing the heart of people, because we can easily come to the wrong conclusions and even jump to the wrong conclusions with what we see. You got a group of people excited, the king of Israel, the king of the United, the one that's overseeing the United Kingdom is, is in charge. He's giving the direction. It's exciting, 75 years of waiting. But notice in verse 19, it says, David, what did he do? Inquired of the Lord. Notice verse 23. And when David inquired of the Lord, but then you come to chapter 6, verse 1, David did what? He gathered. There's no mention of him inquiring of the Lord. There's no mention of him calling a priest here to help. No call for the scrolls. No asking for help. We have him inquiring, inquiring. But chapter 6, verse 1 opens up with David gathering. We have an example here of David failing to seek the Lord. We We may not see that as such a big deal in our lives because we don't always pay a high price for not seeking the Lord. But there's always a high price when you and I choose to take things into our own hands. There's always a high price when we make decisions without inquiring of the Lord, as we'll see in a moment in David's life. David failed to seek the Lord on how to get the ark. Getting the ark back to Jerusalem seemed like a wise idea, and everyone was supportive. But David, like when multiplying wives, the same sinful mistake that he made, did not inquire or seek the Lord. And it leads to disaster. Verse 6. When they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. They didn't plan on that. Verse 7. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. Then David became very angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now, because they didn't seek the Lord in moving the ark, they chose to take back the ark on a cart, which is in a way that wasn't prescribed in the Lord. And the title of our Bible study is Doing God's Will, God's Way. That's very important. It's not enough just to say, well, you know, I meant this but rather to do it the prescribed way that God lays before us. You see, if you choose not to seek the Lord, you'll do things your own way. That's our natural bent. We'll do things the way we think they need to be done or the way that we want them to be done. From verses six and seven, there are things that were never planned. Whenever you take things into your own hands, you aren't able to see the future. You aren't able to see, well, in verses 6 and 7, we've got oxen. They're stumbling. Couldn't control that. The ark is teetering. You couldn't control that. Uzzah is reaching out. You can't control that. And now God is judging immediately and quickly. Using a cart to transport the ark was a sin. It wasn't God's prescribed way. It was the way the Philistines did things. They used carts and oxen. 
We know that when we studied in 1 Samuel, remember? In 1 Samuel, they used the oxen to, to try to trick, you know, try to set up uh, the nation of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 6. This attempt to move the ark fails because David didn't ask or seek the Lord, either through prayer or his word. There are more than one occasions where the Bible tells us exactly how the ark should be transported. It was to be carried by the Levites, by poles, not rolled on a cart led by oxen, just by anyone. And Uzzah dies, and David is afraid and angry, and the ark now is stalled from coming into the city for three months. Now, you step back for a second here, and I think one of the things we learn here is I think we've all been here. There are things that are stalled in our lives because we failed to seek the Lord, because we failed to do God's will God's way. It's not just the desire, you know, I want to do God's will, but to add doing God's will God's way. We've all been here. We get excited. We're doing something for God. We're enjoying the excitement. But then we hit a bump in a road. Then we hit a trial. Then we hit a, a, a stumbling. And it's in that moment that we're at a crossroads. We don't always see it because we're caught up in the emotion. And we don't always see it because we're caught up in the difficulty. And we don't always see it because we're caught up in the excitement. And it's just a little bump in the road, just a little bump in the road. It, it's just going to teeter a little bit. It's just going to fall. Let me put my hand up there. Let me just, I can take care of this. Let me put my hand up there. It's no big deal. The ark will not fall as long as I'm standing next to it. But that was a holy piece of furniture. It wasn't to be touched by anyone. It wasn't to be led by oxen on a cart. And so we face a problem and, and we're so tempted. And I so often fall into this trap to solve the problem with my own efforts, with my own ideas. This is a real danger for those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while and have gone through a few problems here and there where you have a little bit of understanding. You have a little knowledge of the scriptures. It appears to be just like any other problem. It appears to be just like any other issue. So why seek the Lord? Because I already know what the Lord wants. Why get wisdom? Because I already understand this is, this is urgent, this is necessary. But in trying to solve it in our way, trying to do God's will our way, we make it worse. And it often leads to death. Why? Because the wages of sin is always death. Oh, not necessarily physical death as here brings upon the judgment of God. God has, has shown so much grace in our lives so many times. But certainly death in a variety of different ways. Then, David makes a mistake. He doesn't seek the Lord and then he gets mad. And he gets a mode. Look at all the emotions that are coming up in him. In verse 8, he's angry. In verse 9, he's afraid. In verse 12, later, he's glad. Why? Well, in those three months where the ark was stalled, David searched the scriptures and found the right way to move the ark. He got the right way in those three months. Notice in verse 12, it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Where does gladness come? By doing the will of God the way God prescribes. 
That's where gladness comes. So much frustration, perhaps even in this room right now, does not come because you don't, not because you don't want to do the will of God. There's much desire. There's much, there's much desire. Those listening in right now, you're on the radio and you have a desire to do the will of God. But are you willing to do the will of God God's way? Because when you try, and I try not to do the will of God my way, I can expect frustration. I can expect anger. I can expect a whole range of emotions. And in this case, those around me, I put at great danger. And poor Uzzah, he suffers the consequences for taking things into his own hands. And quite frankly, he's just doing what he thinks is right. What's the big deal? Putting your hand up on the ark. It wasn't God's way. It was a holy piece of furniture. In verse 13, it says, So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. Now it's exciting. Having faced failure, David does what we should do. In that time of three months, I'm certain that David sought the Lord. God revealed to him the right way. He goes and, and he takes it. He takes the ark back the right way, God's way, and they go with excitement, shouting the sound of a trumpet. You see, God's work must be done God's way if we're to have God's blessing. God's work must be done God's way if we're to have God's blessing. There's no alternative. Well, how do we discern the will of God then? From his word. God prescribes his will through his word. Confirmed to believers by the spirit of God. Where our spirit, our human spirit, bears witness with the spirit of God that what God says is true. And we act on it. By faith. It's not simply through the teaching of a man or through a Bible study. It is the very spirit of God bearing witness with your own spirit that what he says is true. That's why you will take, like the Bereans did, everything that's taught to us, and we will take that and compare it with what? The scriptures. We search the scriptures daily to see if what was said was true. And then the spirit of God then brings it home. I love this. Turn over to Romans chapter 12 so you can see it. I'm gonna read it to you for the New Living Translation. But how do I discern the will of God? It's not as hard as it sounds. It's not as difficult. I meet so many people wondering, what's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? Now, while that's a valid question, and there are times of difficulty when it comes to what God is wanting to do right now, for sure. I'm certainly not discounting that. But I'm also not encouraging us to take the approach that the will of God is hard to find. The will of God is not difficult to find. How to discern the will of God is not difficult. And here's what, here's what we learn from Paul, from Paul the Apostle as he writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he'll accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by, notice, changing the way you think. Then you'll know what God wants you to do. 
and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Present yourself to God. Seek his will. Allow him to transform your way of thinking. Then the promise is you will know what God wants you to do. You'll know how good his will is. And I would just say as a broad picture of the church today, the larger body of believers made up of all the various denominations that call upon the name of the Lord, who believe in Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. The church at large needs to get back to the word of God. I dare say some of you need to get back to the word of God. You've gotten away with a lot of bad decisions, and you have mistaken the grace of God with the approval of God. But you need to get back to the word of God for yourself, for your own life, for direction. You can't just assume that, hey, man, we have, we have to move the ark, so let's build a new cart. Why not build a brand new cart? Not just any cart. Let's get a brand new cart. Let's get a couple of strong oxen. That's what we'll do. We'll do it our way. And yet ignore the prescription of God. There is a prescribed way for you to have, be in your marriage, husband. Get back to the word of God. There is a prescribed way for you to be a wife in your marriage, wife. Get back to the word of God. Children, there is a prescribed way why God put parents in your life. A prescribed way to live with your parents. There is a prescribed way in the scriptures how to conduct yourself in the world. How to be an employee, how to be a business owner. There, every range of life, God has direction for you. Every question on your heart, God has an answer. Don't be like David. David inquired, David inquired, David gathered the king. Don't miss verse one because it would be easy for David to gather 30,000 people. He was the king. But it would also be easy for David to ask the Lord, what does he want to do? You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, you just encouraged us to do God's will God's way. And just as David failed to do that at this particular time in his life, we so often stumble in this area. Is there hope to be found after life's failures? There is hope, Larry. There's always hope in the Lord. We like to say that God is the God of second chances and third chances and five, fifth chances and a hundred and a million chances that if you can hear my voice right now, God is ready to extend his grace and his mercy to you if you will just turn away from your sin and turn toward him. There isn't anything that you can undo to undo your past. I think it was Greg Glory that said, we, we can't change our past any more than we can unscramble an egg. And it's true. But we can move forward, and we can look forward, and we can live forward by the grace of God. The Bible says that though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And know that the Lord will raise you up in his strength as you turn to him. Maybe it's time to start reading your Bible every day again. Maybe it's time to be praying every day. Maybe, perhaps God is calling you away from all the distractions of social media so you can devote yourself to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. But I'm living proof that God gives second chances. Uh, and you too are living proof that God gives second chances. Take it by coming to him broken, humble, repentant, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Today's message is aptly titled, God's Will Done God's Way. You can hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We enjoy so much hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them all. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord for provision. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne. Though the prophet Daniel lived thousands of years ago, he has much to teach us today. He lived in a society very similar to our own, and yet he thrived, and God would use him to change an empire. His story will not only help you survive, but actually thrive in this increasingly godless culture. This is a must-read. To order a copy today, call 877-30-GRACE. We ask for a donation of $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also make an online purchase at calvaryco.store. Our series in 2 Samuel resumes next time. Don't miss a moment of the journey here on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.